This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, we did speak last month about the Affordable Care Act, the December 15th deadline, how important that was. We saw that the numbers were going up. We're going to get a full idea of just how good those numbers were and are, as a matter of fact. And we're happy to have joining us on Make It Plain today, Christine Link Young, Deputy Assistant to the President for Health and Veteran Affairs. Christine, how are you? Welcome to Make It Plain. I'm, I'm doing well. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. So we reached some pretty high benchmarks, correct? And, now, and, and are we talking about December 15th and now beyond December 15th too? That's, that's absolutely right. So this morning, the president was able to announce that through December 23rd, more than 20 million people had signed up for coverage through the Affordable Care Act. That is just an astonishing amount of new enrollment, really incredible growth, and just a testament to how popular the Affordable Care Act is and how affordable coverage is for folks. And obviously, this is taking place not just in regions where Democrats are, but everywhere, correct? That's absolutely right. We are seeing really remarkable growth and enrollment in the Affordable Care Act all across the country. So we're seeing big growth in in Texas, in Ohio, in West Virginia, and also in states like California and Colorado and New Mexico. So we are really seeing people across the country flock to the Affordable Care Act and take advantage of this quality affordable health insurance. Every state has enrollment that's up over the same point last year, which is just uh, a really great bit of news for folks across the country that are looking to affordable health insurance. You said every state is up. Every single state. That's exactly right. That That's impressive. What about, have you had a chance to delve into numbers when it comes to states that still have yet to expand Medicaid? Are you seeing a difference there in terms of those who are seeking to apply online? Yeah, that, that, thanks for bringing that up. That is a critical issue as there are 10 states across the country where Republican governors have stood in the way of affordable health insurance for their lowest income residents. And it's a real, it's a real shame. And in those 10 states, the, the very lowest income people in the community don't have a pathway to affordable coverage. The good news is that the Affordable Care Act coverage is available to everybody with an income over the poverty line, no matter where they live. And so what we are seeing is in in all states, in those 40 states that have done the right thing and expanded Medicaid and the, the 10 states that have refused, we're seeing everybody over the poverty line signing up for coverage. And we are proud as the Biden administration to be making that available to us. No, that, that is very, very important. Now, what we reminded people uh, of after December 15th, is that if you missed the deadline and you still applied, you would still, we wouldn't be covered January 1st, but let's say January 15th. So as of this day, and I guess, what are we in the second week of January? Yeah, Christine and I were just talking about trying to get back in the swing of thing after the holidays, y'all. Lord have mercy. But approximately second week, going into the third, Martin Luther King weekend, Martin Luther King holiday. Help us understand what happens now. Can people still apply now? The the great news is that through January 16th, people still have the opportunity to come in and sign up for health insurance. So anybody who signs up between now and January 16th 
is going to be buying healthcare coverage that starts on February 1st. And we know that about four in five people who visit healthcare.gov and shop for coverage can find a plan for less than $10 per person per month. So we are really encouraging everybody who doesn't have health insurance right now to visit healthcare.gov, take a look at their options, and, and make that choice to sign up before January 16th. That is important. And as Christina is saying, folks, we're, this is 2024. You know, exactly. for, for years, a lot of hardworking parents and hardworking families just didn't make their own personal health a priority. And then those things catch up with us as time goes by, as we age and we get older. We don't have to, that's really what this is about. We don't have to do that anymore. All right, we have an opportunity to try to get something for ourselves and take better care of ourselves because the loved ones we're taking care of they need us to stick around, don't they? So that's, <laughs> this is important. That, that's, that's exactly right. And the plans that are available at healthcare.gov, they're high quality coverage that covers everything you're going to need. They cover doctor's visits and prescription drugs. They cover those preventive services like your mammograms and your colon cancer screenings, trips to the emergency room. So this is comprehensive coverage that's going to give you that opportunity to take care of yourself, make your own health a priority and do the things that you need to do to stay well going into the new year. Yeah, th that's important. And also, I think it's also good when, when we can remind uh, everyone, Christine, that if you've got yours, that's fine, but check on, especially if there's an, an elder relative or an elder neighbor. Some people are have a hard time, you know, how, getting online and seeing things through. You got yours, ask somebody else if they need some help getting online and show them how to do it. Just check on, you know, it's it this time of you always check on on our elders and our seniors when it comes to the weather to make sure they're safe. Do the same thing for the Affordable Care Act. It, that's what people should be doing, Christine. That's exactly right. Check on your friends and loved ones, make sure that they've, they've taken the opportunity to get health coverage, help people navigate the website if they need it. We, we like to say that it's a good time for like, grandparents to talk to their grandkids and grandkids to right. talk to their grandparents. You got to make sure that your elders are getting covered and those those grandmas and grandpas got to make sure their their younger kids are have got the coverage they need to. Yeah. So, folks, January 16th is the That's deadline right. to get coverage by February 1st. Don't put it off. Just get right in front of the computer. Just knock it on out. It, you, it's well worth it. So you can get all of the and, and frankly, for many years, for many of us, the primary care physician was the emergency room. That has changed, but it's still too often the primary care physician for too many. So we got to do better about that. So we want to get access to all of the early detection and preventative care that we can get for ourselves and our family members. So, Christine, we uh, want to thank you. This is great news. Obviously, those numbers are going to continue to go up. If I remember correctly, I think by the 15th, we were at almost 19 million or 18 million. So you're saying, so the 23rd, by the, you just say about the 26th, it shot up to 20. By the 23rd, yes, sir. By the 23rd. That's in a little over a week, got almost a million right. more people. That's right. We were just over 19 million on December 15th, and now, we're, now we've surpassed 20 million. Um, and we are going to keep driving folks and doing everything we can to make sure people get signed up before that January 16th deadline. And look forward to uh, to talking to folks again soon about how much enrollment we've seen in these last few weeks. Absolutely. So this is great news. And we thank you for joining us, folks. And, of course, go to, let's give everybody, there's, a, there's one website that everybody can go to, 
correct? Pretty much. That's right. And, and then that'll That's tie right. them into their state, correct? That's exactly right. Everybody can go to healthcare.gov. You just put in your state or your zip code, and it navigates you right through the process, whether you're signing up at healthcare.gov or going to another state website. So that, that's the resource, healthcare.gov, easy to remember and a great place to start. Christine Link Young, Deputy Assistant to the President for Health and Veterans Affairs. Oh, lastly, we'd be remiss, Veterans Affairs, our veterans are doing okay, are doing okay. Do veterans still mostly use the VA or do they use the Affordable Care Act as well as their combination? Veterans get their health care through a lot of different sources. So some folks do get their care primarily through the, the VA. That's where they're enrolled. The president was proud to, to sign a, a really major expansion of access in VA care through the PAPT Act to, to veterans who served in relatively recent combats and may have been exposed to toxic substances. So we are seeing tens of thousands of folks get enrolled in VA care, which we are, we are really proud of. Other veterans get their, their health care through the Affordable Care Act or through their employer. And we, we look forward to supporting veterans through their, their health care experiences wherever they, they choose to get coverage. Again, thank you for joining us. Christine Link Young, Deputy Assistant to the President for Health and Veterans Affairs. Thank you, Christine. Great to be here. Have a good one. All right, you too. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, a pleasure to have with us the Deputy Director of the National Economic Council at the White House, Joelle Gamble. And we want to talk a bit about the consumer price index. Of course, we've all been concerned about prices and are they getting better at all? I think we may have an argument to make that they are. I think we can, we ought to be able to feel it. It may not be where we want it to be, but things are getting better. Madam Deputy Director, welcome back to Make It Plain. How are you today? I'm doing well. Happy New Year. So happy New Year to you as well. Is there Happy New Year news in terms of the consumer price index? I think there is Happy New Year news here. With this report, we are still seeing steady progress in lowering inflation. We know that inflation's down nearly two-thirds from its peak. Core inflation is now below 4%. Core inflation is minus, is inflation not counting for really volatile prices like food or gas, where conflict on the other side of the world could affect prices. And that kind of inflation, core inflation, is to its lowest level in, in over two and a half years. So even though we saw a slight increase in inflation this month, the overall trend has been lowering inflation. And in some cases, we've seen actual prices go down. So for things like gas, milk, eggs, rental cars, airfares, it's not just a slower rise in prices, it's an actual lowering of the price. Yeah. Where are we most likely to see, or people actually feel, where are they most likely to feel the prices go down? I think the biggest places are probably in gases or gas for your car, for instance. That's something that most people, if you're commuting to work or you're commuting somewhere, you're going to fill up your tank. Filling up your tank costs less than it did last year. And it's been down significantly since Putin invaded Ukraine, which caused a huge spike in the price of gas. And then at the grocery store, there are certain things that almost everybody uses, right? Milk and eggs and like beef and chicken. And those are places where we've seen either slower price growth or even uh, decline in the price of eggs. Like I go to the grocery store and I've noticed that my eggs are cheaper, which is great because I eat a lot of eggs. <laughs> yeah. Now, and we're looking at December. I'm looking at, at some of the at some of the numbers. Fruits and vegetables. And, and folks, these aren't, this isn't a lot. One-tenth of a percentage point, fruits and vegetables, 
one-tenth percentage point medical care commodities, tobacco and smoking products, cereals and bakery products, three-tenths of a percent down in December, motor vehicle maintenance and repair, three-tenths of a percent down, piped utility gas service, four-tenths of a percent down. And as you mentioned, Madam Deputy Director, fuel oil, 5.5 percent percent down. And then some of the other things that that we see go up, no surprise, it was December, but not by a lot. Airline fares went up 1%. I felt that. So we still have a ways to go, but we're nowhere near where we were, let's say, a year or a year and a half ago. That's correct. This time last year, we're still getting at over 6% inflation. And one thing that I often like to remind myself of even is that usually in a normal economy, inflation is around 2%, right? Because an economy that's growing, where there's demand for goods and services, there is some slight inflation. What we want is stable prices, right? And we want wages to be rising faster than inflation so that the actual burden of buying things goes down on people. Yeah, that, that's very important. What is the forecast for the months ahead? And tell us more about what the Economic Council is, is able to do, if anything, to help with policy to influence some of this and keep inflation going down. We are optimistic about the months ahead. I wish I knew exactly what would happen. I could make quite a bit of money if I knew. But I think what we see are some really strong tailwinds in the price reports, right? That means pretty steady changes month to month, which suggests that what we're looking at is not fluke. It's a, a trend, right? And that's always a good thing because as I mentioned before, we want prices to be stable. We want prices to be predictable for people and we want wages to go to grow. So if we still see wages adjusted for inflation flowing, that would be a great thing as well as um, stable changes in prices and lowering inflation. For us, we are supporting the president's agenda, what he and congressional Democrats are still fighting for every day to keep lowering costs because we know, like you said, there's still more work to do. And that means taking on big pharma to lower prescription drug costs, capped insulin at $35 an hour or $35 um, per unit for those on Medicare. But there are people on private insurance who also need that help. The president still wants to get that done. He proposed it. Republicans voted it down. He still wants to get that done include, and including lowering the cost of other drugs as well. It means continuing to crack down on price gouging and junk fees, which I know you and I have talked about before. And then, frankly, calling on these corporations who are saving money because supply chains are healing and not passing those savings on to consumers. They're just sitting on it. And so there's a lot we can do to hold folks to account for making sure when things go well for them, they pass those savings on to the American people. We would appreciate you joining us. Deputy Director of the National Economic Council, Joel Gamble. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome a member of the President's Council of Economic Advisors here to talk a bit about December 2023 jobs report and some other news as well. Carabo Jackson joins us now. Brother Jackson, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. How are you? It's fine. Pleasure to have you with us. Uh, jobs report came out last Friday and still showing a steady pace of recovery in the same range of numbers, a couple of hundred thousand dollars, a couple hundred thousand jobs, I'm sorry, consistently again this month or in the month of December. And that's a good thing, isn't it? 
That's right. If you look at the numbers, we added 216,000 jobs. This is a little bit more than the market had expected, but exactly, it's very consistent with a strong, stable, steady growth in the economy. A few other things I want to highlight about the data that are helpful. One is if you look at unemployment stayed the same as it was in November, 3.7%. And this marks the 23rd month in a row that we've had unemployment below 4%. So this is a record we haven't seen in over 50 years. The last thing, which I think is good news for consumers, is that if you look at overall wage gains, we've seen nominal wage growth of about 4.1% over the year. So wages are 4.1% higher than they were a year ago. And I want to highlight the fact that if you look at inflation in the past sort of six months, inflation has been hovering around 2%. So we're seeing paychecks grow faster than inflation, which means that every paycheck is going a little bit larger, a little bit farther. So people can buy a little bit more things for, for what they need. So this is overall good news and consistent with this sort of robust, healthy, growing economy. We did see how, however, but let me put it this way. We saw the unemployment rate for Asian Americans jump four-tenths of a percentage point. Not a big deal. Black unemployment stayed steady, though, at 5.8%. What are your thoughts about that? So in, the, so in the latest data, I would just say two things. One is if you look overall, the changes that we've seen in unemployment, when you have these data month over month, you don't want to overinterpret any one particular data point. But I'd say over the course of the year, Black unemployment has been at basically about 5.5% for the course of the year. The most recent release was 5.2. It actually did dip down in December. But over the course of 2023, it was below, it was 5.5% which is the lowest it's been since these data have ever been recorded. That started in 1972. This past year has been a very good year for Black employment. The employment gap between white Americans and Black Americans is at the smallest that it's ever been. Now, of course, we would like their, that gap to go away to zero, but it is the lowest that it's been, which means that we are seeing uh, tremendous gains and the, the Biden economy is delivering for the American people and for, for Black Americans in particular. What Going into 2024, does the National Economic Council have in mind to continue the steady job pace we're on and perhaps even to continue to reduce unemployment, particularly for Black Americans? It's a great question. The White House, there's a lot of things that we're doing. One is continuing the things that we have been doing. First thing is to ensure that the market economy is stable. For example, when President Biden first came to office, they introduced the uh, supply chain uh, stability task force. Most recently, uh, a few months ago, in the past month or two, Biden, uh, President Biden introduced the supply chain resiliency task force to ensure that all those things that led to, sp to the spike in prices that we experienced a year or two ago doesn't happen again. So ensuring that like we have price stability is one thing that we're doing to make sure the economy stays on a stable, stable growth path. In addition to that, if you look at a lot of the legislation that has been put forward by, by President Biden, we have the bipartisan infrastructure law, we have the CHIPS Act, we have the IRA, Inflation Reduction Act. These are all policies that have incentives for businesses to invest in jobs and keep jobs growing, investing good, clean jobs. And I would also point out that about two thirds of the new jobs that have been uh, generated by these policies are actually in communities of color. So these policies are designed to introduce, to implement and crowd in private investment in infrastructure that we need. And a lot of these jobs are in the communities that Black people live in and hopefully generating these gains. So things have already been put in place and a lot of these policies are still ongoing. And a lot of the gains from these, these legislation 
we're not going to see them yet, but they're going to be rolling out in the next year and years to come. So those are the plans I think we have going forward. The other thing I'll mention, you mentioned benefits for the Black community in particular. If you look at the small business, um, small business administration, they've actually increased the amount of loans that they're making to uh, disadvantaged businesses. Uh, a large chunk of those are businesses that are minority owned. Uh, so there's, a, there's been a concerted effort to focus on those communities that typically historically have not been benefiting as much from the small business loan program as in the past. And we're seeing some of that happening right now. So all those things together are to make sure we have a stable economy at the same time policies targeted towards those communities that need it the most. I, I know you're not on the political side, but we do have to acknowledge the president speaking at Bethel in South Carolina, going directly to black voters, making his case. You're here and I'm glad you're here to talk about it. It just seems and not just with the Biden administration, this is just thing I think about us Democrats. Sometimes we have a hard time conveying the successes that we're actually achieving. These things are happening, but people actually getting it and saying, wait a minute, this is good. This is what's happening. Sometimes that's a little challenging. And that, that may be more quasi-political. I don't want to put you, compromise you anything. But if you're able to talk about that, because these obviously are good things. These are good things that are taking place. But sometimes even when I communicate with people, it's like they're, they're really hearing it for the first time. So you're raising a good point. There are, there are a few things I would highlight. One is when we can talk about really strong numbers and, then, and the numbers are good, the economy is strong, but it's not necessarily the case that everybody is feeling the benefits of the strong economy equally. Some people are benefiting more than others and some people are feeling it more than others. And I think uh, that's exactly why the Biden administration targeting particular communities to get particular help to make sure that when the economy is strong and we have strong economic growth, we had growth of 4.9% in the third quarter of 2023. When we have this strong growth, that this is felt equally. And I think this is, if you look at the data, gains are, are real gains are being made. I highlighted the fact earlier that we have real wage gains. A lot of that was occurring at the bottom end of the distribution. The bottom half of, of earners below the median are the ones that are benefiting the most as far as the increase in real wages. And these, again, are wages that are growing faster than inflation. But that's only been happening for the past four or five months. That hasn't been happening. We had to deal with all the situation with COVID. We had this thing that was really disruptive. But now that things are stable and now we're on a nice growth path, we're seeing growth for the past few months. And these things take time for the consumer to feel. And I think as we continue this growth and this, these benefits accrue, more and more people are going to feel it. We do see this. The most recent data that came out on consumer sentiment, we saw December tick up relative to what it had been in the past. So I think this is a sign that Americans are starting to actually feel some of the benefits that, we're see that we've been seeing in these data for the past few months. And bottom line, too, with the recovery, we want people to get this message as well. Business is back. Jobs are available. People can go out and apply and stand a good chance in finding work. Because we know how the numbers are. It's based upon who's actually in the job market. Right. Some folks, labor force participation rate has pretty much recovered. We can say that honestly. But again, those are numbers we know, not necessarily numbers the public can feel. Labor force participation rate is well above that. I think it's about 84, 85, somewhere in there. Even higher than it was pre-pandemic. Exactly. That's right. right. It's exactly higher. So folks, now, if there is a good time, Mr. Jackson, it's now. If you want to go out and get, get return to the job market, find something, now is not at all a bad time to take advantage of that. That's absolutely right. One of the benefits of having strong, robust economic growth that grows the whole economy is that it's a good time to get a job. 
And it's also a good time to hire. And it's a good time to hire people to, for jobs and to get jobs. And we see this in the fact that like business businesses are strong. We're seeing uh, record numbers of new businesses being created under this administration. At the same time, we're seeing wages go up. So it's a good time overall. It means the economy is strong. It's a good time where a strong economy is a tide that lifts all boats. So I think that's exactly right. So this is a good time to, to look for a job. One thing I'll mention is that there, the Biden administration has invested additional funds for retraining for, for people to understand how to get retraining for the new kinds of skills we have. There's been, uh, so I think there's, there are tremendous opportunities out there for advancement, but people have to go out there and take advantage of these things. But they are absolutely out there and people are taking advantage, but more can be done. Folks, we monitor the jobs report every month so that people can know what's going on. Continued good news, recovering fully from the pandemic and the recession caused by the pandemic. Carabo Jackson, first time joining us here on Make It Plain. Hopefully it won't be your last, brother. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, happy to be joined by the Deputy Undersecretary for the Department of Education, Ben Miller. And of course, we have all been watching closely with bated breath. What are we going to do about student loan forgiveness? That's a big issue and obviously one that uh, many are looking at in this political year. Um, the Biden administration has been doing, I think we can all say objectively, it's very best to try to address it. I think, Ben Miller, you've got some news for us today, don't you? I do. And thank you so much for having me here. From day one, we have really had a focus on student debt as one of our core values and core things we're most concerned about. And so we've been working hard. We've approved relief for more than 3.6 million people, and we're not stopping. So what we're announcing now is that uh, last year, the president rolled out the Saving on a Valuable Education or SAVE plan, which we think is the uh, best repayment option that we've ever had for borrowers. And as we work to stand that plan up, we're announcing that we're actually going to be putting some of these benefits live even earlier than planned. So we had been planning to do something in July. We're doing it now in February, which is that for borrowers who took out not too many loans for college, so about $12,000 or less, we're going to give you forgiveness after as little as 10 years of payments. So that's half the time that you have to otherwise pay on the save plan. And we think it's a big deal. We know that a lot of times there's a lot of borrowers out there who they were the first in their family to go to college. They tried college. They got a Pell Grant, but they still have a little loan balance. And they're among those most likely to struggle. And so we're excited that by standing this up, what we're going to do is we're going to go look at who's already on save. And if we find you there and you qualify, we're going to automatically discharge your loan. You're not going to have to do anything else. And what we're saying right now is to get the word out to people and say, if you borrowed $12,000 or less for college and you've been in repayment for some time, you should really take a look at save. You'll save money each month. And once you get to the 10 years, you'll get it all forgiven. Mm. Um, I'm looking at a report that says even before today, well, up to today, the loan, 7 million people. Yeah. Is that number right? Have already been impacted by the policies of this administration. So this new move that will right. increase so, exponentially. Is that right? So we have seven million, almost seven million people now on the save plan. Okay. But we've already taken steps that have helped tens of millions of borrowers because President Biden fought to keep student loans paused for uh, multiple years until Congress forced us to restart them this year. We've approved relief for about 3.6 million people by doing things like fixing uh, loan forgiveness for public servants, 
giving relief to people who have a total and permanent disability, correcting all kinds of problems from the past about not properly crediting progress toward forgiveness. And we're basically looking under every rock and looking everywhere we can find it, identify problems, fix problems, and deliver relief to people who, who have earned it. As the undersecretary of the department, uh, Ben Miller, on the surface, one might say this helps get us out of debt. But in education, this does a little more, doesn't it? If, if you can get a good education, but if you're burdened by the debt and it also impacts maybe whether or not you can go to work in the field where you got your very degree. So th this is even bigger than just saving money, isn't it? Absolutely. We know that education is so critical for opening up pathways to the middle class, to succeeding. And if you do that, and all of a sudden you get into the workforce and you're really being dragged down by a student loan, we're, we're undoing the value of education. And so that's why we think it's critical to get relief, keep those payments reasonable so that people can pursue their career goals and dreams. And we think that this will do a lot to help with that. We think giving relief will do that. And we talk a lot about student loan borrowers as individuals, but student loan borrowers have families too. So it's not just about the money they've got, but also what their family has to spend, what it means to their community. When you go around and tell people, I tried college and I walked out with this big loan debt that I can't afford, it can discourage other people to get to college. And so the message we really want to send is college can be in reach for you and we're going to make your loan payments affordable. So it's not going to be a life sentence or something that is following you around forever, that you can get, a, there is a way out of debt. Lastly, as far as we know, we're uh, court free. In, in this matter? We are. Okay. Yeah. We don't have so to worry about This is a different authority. This Basically, what we did here is for about 30 years, the Higher Education Act has said that the secretary can create payment plans based upon what a borrower makes. And we've executed it on it multiple times before. And we feel confident in this plan. Yeah. Yeah. And let's hope it stays that way. And, and we don't get a challenge. Instructions. People who are listening, watching, what, sh yeah. what should they do? Because this is you're ahead of schedule on this. You're going to wait and do it later. Yeah. If anybody has something out there, let us know what they need to do and where they need to go to find information, please. Yeah. So the, the big thing to do is to go look at the SAVE plan, which you can do by going to studentaid.gov, or you can call your student loan servicer. Uh, if you go to our website, you can sign up for SAVE right there. We also did some steps to make the application easier. It takes about 10 minutes. Uh, we'll process it. If you make under $32,000 a year, you won't have a payment family of 467, same deal. And if you're above that, you'll save about $117 a month on average compared to what you would have paid on some of these older plans. We really uh, suggest you go look at that. Uh, we're going to start sending some more emails out to tell people about this benefit if we think they should take a look at it. But I really recommend going to studentaid.gov and, and checking out the SAFE plan. Studentaid.gov, folks. The Undersecretary of Department of Education, Ben Miller. Thank you, Ben, for this great news. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister or brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.